There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hello, James here. Just need to let you know before you listen to this week's show that we recorded on Monday this week, 24 hours before the news that the Junior Eurovision Song Contest this year will be taking place in a little bit of a different way than usual. So some of the things we say in the News in 90 may seem a little bit out of date, but don't let that put you off. We've still got all the usual fun stuff along the way as well. So enjoy the show. Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. So hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Euro Trip. I can't quite believe we are on episode 6 already. I am Rob, once again joined by my co-host, the wonderful James. And James, before you speak, have you recovered yet from having to go through, well, quite the interview last week with the only man who has talked about his bowel movements on the podcast so far, the wonderful Rambo Amadeus. I don't think anybody ever thought they'd be hearing about um, what Eurovision contestants get up to in their free time. Not least Rambo Amadeus talking about cheap caviar 
Uh, it was a strange experience, one that I don't think will ever be repeated. We've moved on this week. Uh, we've got another big guest coming up. We'll tell you about, more about that later on. But we've also got some of our favourite games and all of the latest news as well. Yeah, that's right. There is more news coming, thankfully, because Eurovision New Year is here. We are fully looking ahead to 2021. In the European quiz, yeah, that's right, still got the same title, we are going from one micro-state to another. James, you won last week for the first time, so you're hoping to retain your title. There's no hope about it, it's just simply going to happen, Rob. I've been doing a lot of research on every single European country possible, and so I reckon this week I'm going to get maybe two points, not not the full three, we're going we're gonna to save that for another week, but maybe, maybe two points this week. We've mentioned already the big guest, the big interview. It's mine this week. I speak to a woman who I think has performed at more Eurovisions than anyone else. Wonderful backing singer from Sweden, Dia Norberg. She's been to Eurovision 11 times. And I asked which was her favourite performance that she's been part of. Carola was insane because the media was really big around her. So it was this crazy circus around Carola. She creates this vibe which is so much fun to be around so that's right all that and more to come you're listening on aircast on apple Podcasts and spotify this is the euro trip eurovision we've got it covered so that's right hello welcome along to the euro trip as we've said there episode number six and the eurovision news keeps on coming because we are now thankfully in the Eurovision New Year. James, we are now looking ahead to Eurovision 2021. Any 2021 resolutions? I don't think you did that with Nathan last week. Um, no, surprisingly no, because I don't think you do that sort of thing in September, do you? Do you have a Eurovision New Year resolution, Rob? I asked you, I wasn't prepared for an answer. Anyway, the man that, jo- <laughs> the man that joins us for the news in 9C this week giving us everything we need to know in 90 seconds. He's been here before, he's done it before, and he's back because he had such a wonderful time last time, as you can see from his face. Actually, you can't, it's a podcast. Anyway, it's Anthony Granger, editor of Eurovoir. Anthony, how are you? How are you both? Very good, thank you, sir. It's an absolute pleasure to have you back on episode six of uh, the Eurotrip podcast. And I don't know whether you at Eurovoir have found that there is now a little bit more to talk about. Obviously, don't give us too much because we've got the, the news in 90 coming up, but you've now got more to talk about. I feel like we've, we've got through the celebration of it's the new Eurovision year. Then nothing happened for a few days. And now we're starting to get a few bits and pieces with Junior. So things are starting to pick up again. Well, this is very, very good news. Uh, Nathan did a, did a good job of talking us through Eurovision New Year, as you just mentioned there last week uh, with you, James. James, I mean, are you looking forward to anything in particular this week potentially cropping up? Well, it sounds as if we're going to start getting into um, junior Eurovision selection season. Say that four times if you can. Um, so it's going to be exciting to see if we get some, uh, some decent songs over the next few weeks. Absolutely it is. Now, the important question of the day, if only I could say that word, who is on timekeeping duties this week? Since you weren't here last week, I'm going to put those uh, responsibilities in your hands, Rob. No problem. So, Anthony, you know, of course, what you have to do. You have 90 seconds to deliver us the very latest news. You've done it once, which presumably means you are more confident this time around. I'm, I'm more confident just purely on the fact that there is less to try and cram in this time, although I've probably still run out of time. Sounds good. Now, James, are you going to give us the countdown and I'll get ready with the uh, the stopwatch? Right then, let's get going. You can start, Anthony, in three, two, one. 
So in Ukraine, uh, Alexander Balabanov, which is quite a mouthful to say, um, has won the Ukrainian selection whilst it's still going on. Um, so he somehow managed to win uh, with five jury votes, uh, with eight jurors having voted. The public was still voting until Tuesday, so as of time of recording, they're still voting. But Ukraine knows who's going now, so that's done. Um, in Germany, um, Susan won the selection last week with the song Stronger With You. She's gone into the recording studio with Levent Geiger, um, the songwriter behind the song, um, to record the new version. And she'll be off to Berlin soon to record the music video. Um, Monday was the deadline to confirm um, participation for Junior Edition as well. Um, so it was the last day that a broadcaster could confirm or withdraw without having to pay a fine. Um, so as of the time we're recording, there are 15 broadcasters that are confirmed. Um, there's question marks around whether Belarus will still be participating due to the uh, political situation going on there. There's been no news from the broadcaster. Um, Armenia on Sunday evening decided to confirm that they would be in June Eurovision 2020 and Eurovision 2021. Um, so they're the latest country to add their name into the list. Uh, they've not said either way about how they're selecting for either contest, but it'd be nice to see them in both of them. And then in Poland, uh, Lena Marzak was the first winner of the first semi-final of Chancellor Success. Um, she was in the same series as The Voice Kids as Vicky Gabor. Um, she got knocked out just before the final, so it'd be interesting um, to see Anthony nearly got through the end of that news story a lot of yeah. junior eurovision news this week yeah, it's almost as if there's absolutely nothing going on in the world of the adult contest and almost as if james junior eurovision is is coming is you know we haven't got too long to wait we haven't have we in the first few episodes of the of the podcast we've managed to avoid chatting about junior eurovision in too much detail um because we thought we'd run the risk of chatting about it too early and then running out of things to say but we're fully into the swing of things now, Rob. So Junior Eurovision, shall we chat about that in a bit more detail? Let's chat Junior Eurovision. It's about time, I think. Uh, if I seem slightly distracted, by the way, both, I'm waiting for a woman to collect an Ikea mirror. So let's see how this goes, shall we? I may disappear at a certain point in this discussion. Uh, what do we think we're going to get from Warsaw? Because it's a bit different. It's not going to be in an arena itself, is it, this year? No, so we know that it's going to be in a TV studio. So I'm expecting something of the scale of the um, 2016 contest when it was in Malta in a really tiny uh, Mediterranean conference centre. So it'd be interesting to see how it works. We still don't know whether there's going to be an audience or if it's just going to be the kids on the stage. So there's a lot of question marks, but it'd be interesting to see how the contest adapts to COVID. I think the biggest question mark at the moment uh, that a lot of us have is whether or not the Junior Eurovision Song Contest will actually take place. How much do you think the EBU are currently hovering their foot over the brake pedal? I, I think they've got so far now with countries have started their selections, they've started airing stuff. Yes, the Polish broadcaster hasn't specifically said who's hosting, where it's being held. So there's still the question marks as to whether or not it is going to take, take place, but I think we're far enough in now that it feels too far it, it feels too far gone for them to say no now i think for me i don't know whether you guys agree that junior Eurovision naturally has kind of had a bit of a resurgence in recent years it's it seems to have gained in popularity more and more people are interested in it and actually the quality of the songs has got better oh yeah the, the songs are definitely more modern and relevant to what what you used to get in the uh, early 10s and the late the late um 2000s it feels it's it's definitely grown into something that feels more more like the adult contest but still having 
it still appeals to a kid. It, there's, there's still a part of it where you go, that is clearly a 12 or 13 year old kid having the time of their life on stage, enjoying just singing their song. They're not under the same pressure as, as they would be at the Eurovision Song Contest, but it's still, it's definitely a key. It's a, it's a, nice, it's a nice event to watch, whether you're a, a kid or an adult. Now, for me, despite watching the the Eurovision Song Contest for about a decade, a bit, a little bit more, I've never actually watched the Junior Eurovision Song Contest. So, for the pair of you, why should I be watching it? The props for me, the props are often ridiculous. Uh, I always bring it back to to Belarus, uh, Minsk, twenty eighteen. Uh, there was a, an ice cream cart on stage for France. Why not? Uh, Italy had a massive swing that was way too high for either of the contestants, so they had to basically jump if they wanted to sit on it. Uh, the, the props at Eurovision, of course, are a massive part of it, but the props at Junior Eurovision are fantastic. It is often a little bit like theatre gone wrong, but it is very, very, very entertaining. I think it has to be... There's something... The voting in, in Eurovision, you find yourself looking around that green room and going everyone's taking this deadly seriously someone's heartbroken in the corner at doing awfully but when you watch junior they are the the kids are cheering each other on they are friends with, with one another they genuinely are just there enjoying themselves and it is yes it may be a competition but for the 15 or 20 kids that take part it's it's friends for life and i think that's that's something that you don't you don't get at the adult contest Let's do it then. We haven't got much time left on this week's News in 90. Let's predict. It's early September. Who is going to win? We only have two songs as well, so this is always fun. Who is going to win Junior Eurovision 2020? James, you can go first, given that you have the least Junior Eurovision expertise of any of us. Yeah, me. This is like asking your granny who doesn't watch Eurovision who she thinks is going to win. Um only because I know they've selected the song already and uh, that is much basis I'm going to put this answer on. I'm going to say Germany. Anthony, go on. Poland. And I am going to say for their first win, Kazakhstan. Why not? That would be fun to watch, wouldn't it? It certainly would be fun. Now, before we let Anthony go, there is a little bit of housekeeping that we've got left to do and that is to play, for the first time on this episode, the one second song. Rob has disappeared, as he mentioned before, to deal with some Ikea mirror. But Anthony is still knocking about and he is going to have a chance to listen to the one second song right now, as are you at home. So for Anthony, yourself and the listeners, here is this week's one second song. So there we go. I saw the look on your face when you heard that. So without telling me what you think it is, initial thoughts. Um, I know what it is. Um, it is a genuinely terrible Eurovision entry. It's not, it's one that I will regularly skip over. Um, it's, yeah, I've not really got anything <laughs> positive to say about it. There's four points available. The song title, the artist, the country, and the year. Do you think you'll get all four points? I think so. I, I will well, give it my best shot. Wonderful. We will get Anthony's guess later on. You, of course, can have a guess as well. Tweet us at Eurotrip Podcast if you've got an idea what it is. But Anthony, thanks very much for your time. Um, until we see you again, if people want to keep up to date with all of the latest news for Eurovision, Junior Eurovision, and all that sort of thing, where can they go to find it? They can find it all at Eurovision.com. So we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. 
So that is the news in 90 done and dusted. We've still got loads coming your way. We've got the big interview, of course, with Dia Norberg coming up. And of course, Rob's opportunity to have a guess at this week's one second song. But right now it is time for possibly our favorite part of the show. It is the European quiz, Bob. How are you feeling about this week's questions? You say our favorite part of the show. I think you can also label it the most ridiculous part of the show, the part of the show where we go to places we never imagined we would do, the part of the show that has resulted in you calling former Ukrainian Eurovision representatives cleaners, the part of the show which has got us talking about shrines in San Marino. It's it's crazy, isn't it, the European quiz? We go to all sorts of different places. So there is only one man that knows where we're going this week. We were talking about the micro-state of San Marino on the podcast last week. Ukraine before that. So Mr. Samuel Deakin, the man with the questions. Where are we going now? The 8th of September is Our Lady of Maritzel Day, the patron saint of Andorra, and the most tenuous link that any country can claim to a national day. Here are three questions about the tiny nation squeezed between France and Spain. So Andorra, I seem to remember we chatted about Andorra on one of the early editions of the podcast um, in the News in 90 section. And I think I brandished them with the label, the worst record in Eurovision history. Um, That's not quite the title you want to have, is it? No, it might come back to bite you, that, if if the Andorans have got wind of, of that comment in one of the earlier episodes and have managed to get to Sam and managed to give him some ridiculous facts about their little country. Uh, Our Lady of Meritzel Day, by the way, I don't know if you know a huge amount about Our Lady of Meritzel. Just having a little scroll here. Uh, Meritzel apparently uh, comes from the Latin for midday in English. So she's technically called the Midday Lady. Not sure what that means. I think, is that your drag name, Rob? It is, it is. You can see me performing on a Wednesday in July. That's it. It's a very short show run, but you can find me there. What is Andorra's largest export? Now, that is a good question. Now, first of all, we've got to ask ourselves, is this the product that they produce the most of or the product which is actually the largest physically? Because it could just be a big cage for an elephant, although I imagine it's not. Um, (laughs) Of all the things for you to, to choose there, you went for large cage for an elephant which was bizarre i don't think there's anything large about andorra is there really uh not really no i couldn't imagine there's there's a great deal that they've got to shout about um although i'm i'm feeling not very good about this week i've got no idea what to think of although i do have a wisdom tooth coming through and i imagine that might provide me with a little bit more wisdom than it usually does oh that's how Uh, they work is it i did always wonder how they got their name (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's what I that's what I woke up with uh, this morning when I thought about my wisdom tooth. Um, I'm going to go first, and I can't think of anything exciting, interesting, or entertaining. So I'm just going to say beer. Oh, I'm going to think slightly outside the box, and I'm going to go with the fact that their largest export is something that I definitely know they have a lot of, which is snow, tobacco. Now, the Europeans do love a cigarette, as we've probably both discovered on European holidays over the years. But I thought better of the Andorans up there in that clean air in the mountains. Although equally, I suppose they haven't got that much to do, do they? Maybe that's where Rambo Amadeus got his uh, tobacco from last week. He got distracted by some tobacco products during the interview that he wasn't very interested in. Um, But there you go. What a surprise. First question, and none of us get it right. So let's try and put, put things right a little bit, Rob, and find out what question number two is. 
What anomaly meant that Andorra finished last in the 2006 Eurovision semi-final, despite being 23rd out of 24. Now this is one that really has your head scratching, doesn't it? So how did Andorra manage to come last in the semi-final despite not actually coming last? I mean, this is already normally something that would happen to the UK, although admittedly not in the semi-final. Um, I struggle with this. 2006 was a weird old Eurovision anyway, if you think that Lordy won it. The favourite that year was, James, come on, you are about zero years old, but which country was the favourite in 2006? Can you remember? Oh, I've, I've got no idea. I'm just going to have to plump for our good old friends LT United, was it? Um, unfortunately not. Uh, you say our good old friends LT United because I don't want to let you into too much of a secret, but there's a big interview coming on a future episode. Uh, no, it was Belgium with the wonderful Jet Ador. Ah, of course it was. Favourite did it win the con- It did not win. It was favourite contest- for the contest and it got binned off in the semi-final. So that and Andorra cast aside. But as far as the answer goes for this question, literally no idea. Uh, so the anomaly that I'm going to go for is that the host, Sakis Ruvas, accidentally said they'd finished last when they hadn't. That's a fair guess I mean it's probably not right but it's a, it's a guess at least it's strange this one because for most of the questions we have on the European quiz we can just guess something like cheese factory or a big cage for an elephant but for this you can't can you so you know my knowledge of the, the mid noughties uh, Eurovision Song Contest is a little bit patchy here and there but I do know that at some point that there used to be a jury wild card so I'm going to say that the, that the country that finished below them in the semi-final was selected as the jury wild card it's because Serbia and Montenegro withdrew from the contest and were assigned 24th by the EBU, despite not performing on stage. Serbia and Montenegro could still vote, but only Spain contributed to Andorra's eight points. Well, that's another one of those weird old Eurovision quirks that makes literally no sense. Although, I mean, it worked out well for Serbia in the end, obviously, because they went on to win the following year. How very, very bizarre. I still need a moment to try and wrap my head around that one. I can't quite visualise that, but uh, but there you go. That's the answer. And what a surprise. Two questions down. Nobody has any points. And my wisdom tooth is not providing me with any assistance that I thought it might have done. So, Sam, question number three, please. Despite not fighting a war for over 700 years, Andorra still maintains a manned military. How many people are in Andorra's army? Uh, not for the first time on this podcast, we find ourselves talking about the conflicts of Europe, which, you know, I wouldn't have thought our little old Eurovision podcast would stray into very often. I mean, it would be very difficult to fight a war in Andorra for a start, because isn't it just one or two massive mountains? So, I mean, I wouldn't be up for it. If, if it was one of those countries that had uh, compulsory military service, like Alex Panay was telling us about Cyprus the other week, I would not be keen. Well, I imagine with Andorra being such a small country, they could just grab a dust sheet out of the air and cupboard and throw it over the entire country and just pretend they don't exist. Um, what, like an invisibility cloak, you mean? That sort of thing. I, yeah, that would be uh, that would be good fun. I imagine it doesn't happen. Um, I imagine the uh, the seamstresses of Andorra, are, you know, have got some other things to be doing um, and not making invisibility cloaks. I'm not sure um, they do. I'm not sure they got lots, lots on, to be honest. Maybe making a lot of scarves, but other than that, it's quite cold, I imagine. Uh, how many people are in the, the military in Andorra? I do know there's a quirky fact that I believe Monaco's uh, brass band has more members than, than their military. Um, so maybe maybe the team up with Andorra here and there. But I'm going to say uh, 10. 
there's 10 people in the Andorran military. Fantastic fact about Monaco and their uh, brass band. Well done. Don't say you don't get anything from this podcast. Please don't say that. Don't put that in a review. That would go very badly. Uh, I am going to say, you're going to say 10. So, I mean, how are we going to say this? Are we going to say basically whoever's closest gets the point? Well, if neither of us get it right, should we just say I won? We're not going to do that, but also that means that I can't just say 11 and get the point. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to say... I mean, it's not going to be big, is it? I'm going to go 100. The answer is 12. The country declared war with Germany uh, during the Second World War, but remained neutral throughout. Uh, They were forgotten in the Treaty of Versailles and so were legally at war with the country until 1958, but haven't fought a war for over 700 years. So there you go, yet another history lesson from Sam Deacon. And I'm afraid to say, Rob, I'm going to take a point for that one because I was just too away. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, have you got to consider yourself unlucky that you're in the chosen 12? Often 12 is kind of like the number that's in like a singing competition. Like here in the UK, the X Factor would have 12 who get through to the live finals or Britain's Got Talent, for example, or, you know, any of the Got Talents around Europe. So... It's not quite the same thing, is it? It's not quite like winning a competition. Speaking of winning competitions, I've just won today's European quiz. I don't know how you managed to get that segue in, but well done. I'm going to try and move on as quickly as possible because, uh, well, we've got a big interview to get to. This is the Euro Trip. So unfortunately there, for the second week in a row, James, you find yourself the winner of the European quiz. I'm absolutely devastated. What was that word you used there? Unfortunately. I think that might be the wrong word. I think you, you should have said fortunately, because it's, it's always a great, great celebration for us, isn't it, when I win the quiz? I don't know what you're getting at. Uh, I think, what is it people say? Respect your elders. You're not showing me a lot of that today. It's a, <laughs> a real shame. Uh, this time, last week on the podcast, we bought you... Rambo Amadeus, which is never a sentence I will get tired of saying. This week on the podcast, because last week, James, we said, didn't we, we're never going to top Rambo. It's impossible. I didn't think we were ever going to top Rambo. But this week, I think we might have done, actually, because we are going to be joined by somebody who has been to Eurovision on 12 occasions. And I can't imagine anybody else has been there more often. It is a ridiculous track record. If you don't know who we're talking about, we are talking about the incredible backing singer, Dia Norberg. She went to her first Eurovision in 1999. She was a backing singer for Charlotte Nielsen, who, of course, won the contest that year for Sweden in Jerusalem. So not a bad debut, as James said there. She went on to appear at another 10 Eurovisions. And if you're trying to do the math in your head, yes, you're right. That does mean that she represented two different countries in the same year, in 2016. More of that shortly, but with such an incredible record. And when you interview a woman from Sweden on the podcast, you do have to ask this question first. What is it about Eurovision that the Swedes love so much? I just think it's this happening each spring. And uh, we have four, five, six weeks of competitions that, that are broadcasted. So it becomes this like family event for every, every Saturday uh, from February, March. You know, it's, it's, it's a family thing. And, and um, yeah, I've been part of it more, more or less since 99. So um, 
it's been a big, big part of my life, actually, the, the Swedish Melody Festival and, and also the Eurovision Song Contest as well. Now, your first Melody Festival, and I think I'm right in, in saying, was 99. You're right, yes. And uh, I think we all know what happened with Sweden in 99. What a ridiculous thing that you managed to go to Eurovision with Charlotte and win on your first you know, on your first appearance at Eurovision, surely you could have stopped then. I mean, obviously you didn't. We'll talk about that shortly. But what an amazing, amazing year for you that must have been. It was amazing. And Charlotte is one of my best and closest friends. We went to school together, to music school. So we went to that music school together. And then she brought me along on this journey. And then I got stuck. (laughs) It was so much fun. Yeah, it was, of course course like a big shock for all of us we were is this really happening yeah so great and then what was it like in Jerusalem that night can you remember the celebrations or maybe not remember the celebrations actually (laughs) it was amazing because as a backup singer uh at that time we were very um together with the artists all the time we got the big flowers as well and we were in front of the stage and we, we really get got to feel the, the, the winning feeling. We, we were right there with her. And uh, I mean, it's more the artist that's in focus, but I felt like we were a team and that was amazing. So I think we were just as happy as Charlotte, you know, like we won, <laughs> even though Charlotte was the artist, but we felt it too. What was it like for you coming back to Sweden after you'd won? Because, of course, presumably the, the attention is on Charlotte, but you must have also, you know, even among family and friends, it must have been great for you coming back. Yeah, of course. It was so much fun. And everyone is watching the Eurovision Song Contest, I, I believe, almost everyone, maybe not everyone, but it's a big thing to sit down and watch that, even though not everyone loves it. But it's, you know, it's patriotic and like, go Sweden. So, of course, that was amazing. We came back um, at the airport and there was flags everywhere. And yeah. So, I mean, you went to 99, you won, you could have stopped there. Just tell us, because I know you've been counting, how many times have you sung on the Eurovision stage? How many years? Uh, 11 years, but with 12 artists. So 2016, I was with Azerbaijan and Australia as well with Dami In. Just crazy. We'll talk about 2016. Know, we'll talk yeah. about 2016 soon because I just want to hear how stressful it, it was because it must have been incredibly stressful. But I'm right, you jumped straight back into Eurovision and you were, you were there in 2000 as well, weren't you? I were with the Malta, with the Claudette Pace, because it was in Stockholm, so they chose to have a Swedish backup lineup there. So, yeah. How different was it being, well, representing a country that's not Sweden? Of course, that- it's different. Yeah, but you become this little group, and you 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 know you hang out for two weeks, and and you get you get, you get a close feel for for the ones you're with, of course. So, but I mean, it's extra special if it's for your own country. Yeah. 
of course. C- can you just list us the years that you have done Eurovision? Have, I mean, is it possible? Have you got the list in front of you, or is it all going to be off the top of I, your head? I did my homework, so I was like, I need to because <laughs> I I can't really remember it in my head. But '99 was Charlotte Nilsson, Jerusalem. Uh, 2000 Malta, Stockholm. Uh, 2003 Fame with Give Me a Love in Riga. 2004 Lena Philipsson, It Hurts in Istanbul. Uh, 2005, Martin Stenmark with Las Vegas in uh, Kiev. Uh, 2006, with Carola, uh, Invincible in the Athens. Uh, 2008, uh, Charlotte Perelli uh, with Hero in Serbia. Uh, 2009, Mariana Arman, <clears throat> La Voix in Moscow. Uh, 2013, Robin Schoenberg with You in Malmö. And 2014, Sanna Nielsen with Undo in Copenhagen. And then he was in Stockholm with Azerbaijan and uh, Australia. What yeah, an amazing... What an amazing <laughs> I, you must be a record holder. Surely no one has sang at Eurovision more than you. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> But I was actually counting because I've been in the Swedish Melody Festival and a lot and, and uh, quite a lot the last couple of years as well, doing backups, you know, behind the stage um, or below the stage. And um, so I've done over, a, I, I was counting because someone asked me, how many songs have you done backups for uh, through all these years? And I was like, I don't know. So I started looking at YouTube and like, is this me? Yeah, that's me. I recognize that that move or that that uh, that harmony. So I, I came up to over hundred songs in the Swedish melody festival. I think it was hundred eleven or something like that. What's the? I, I, this is a horrible question. What's what's your favorite song that you've performed either at Eurovision or in Melody Festival? I mean, of course, it was magical with my friend Charlotte because I was so happy for her when she won. So it was like this trip really but um carola was insane because the media was really big around her so it was this crazy circus around carola and uh, she is that type of person like she creates this vibe which is so much fun to be around so i work with carola still i really love to sing the australian song actually it was only two backup singers there. It was me and Anna Salen, uh, which was also doing the backups uh, in Jerusalem 99. So it was like her and me. So for us, it was a little bit like, do you remember last time we sang? It was like 99 in Eurovision. And then we did it with Dami Im, just the two of us. And it was really powerful. So, And you both nearly won again <laughs> with Australia yeah, in 2016, so which, is, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, b- before we talk about... Australia that year of course you were singing for both Azerbaijan and Australia how do you manage to sing for two different countries especially because I think you you mentioned you were fortunate enough that they were drawn in different semi-finals Mm -hmm. but they were they both made it through to the final how stressful does that make it for you And, and how difficult is it to look after your voice as well the voice is fine because you know when when I've done a Swedish melody festival and as a house choir you're almost on every song and you change clothes in one minute like so Eurovision is not at all as stressful but it's more of a team thing you know where should I sit should I sit with Azerbaijan in the sofa 
and share with them or should I sit uh, with Australia and she's almost winning we need to sit there maybe we need to go up on stage again and you know so it's more of a stressful feeling that you can't be really exclusive to one artist so that's uh, that's the bad part of doing more but I could do many more because you know it's a lot of waiting time in your vision so your voice can do many more talk to us about what it was like in the green room in 2016 when you thought surely for quite a long time Mm -hmm. we could have won this Mm -hmm. it was crazy I mean it was almost like she's gonna win this like we're gonna win this this is amazing were there any times, this is a horrible question, were there any times when it almost wasn't all right <laughs> when you're at Eurovision? Or, I mean, it always, it always comes together in the end, but, mm-hmm. you know, were there ever any occasions when it was, it was close? <laughs> you mean like something... Something goes wrong, wrong or, yeah, oh, something yeah, like that. Yeah, sure. I have two stories. If we have time, I have Oh, of course two, we do. Because <laughs> when I did uh, the Eurovision in Moscow with Mal- Malena Arman, La Voix, with those masks and very um, like everything was had to be really perfect with the angles and everything. It was this huge arena and I got the wrong pack for my in-ears. So I didn't hear a thing. I just heard like it was quiet and then you have the in-ears in and then you have a microphone in your hand and then you have this thing in your hand. So you can't really do anything. Uh, you can't take them out because you filmed all the time. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was one of the last rehearsals or something. I don't know, but it felt, you know, all the rehearsals are important because you have so few on stage. So I didn't get any sound. So I, uh, I didn't sing. I was just doing that, trying to focus, trying to look in the camera when I was supposed to, but I couldn't feel the beat because it was like this in this big arena. So I was just looking at my friends. Okay, they're taking this turn now. And I just tried to feel it, but it was horrible. So when they were like, okay, thank you, Sweden. And we went off stage and everyone was like, that was great. (laughs) And I was like, that was terrible. I had an Italian woman laughing in my ears the whole time because you know it was switched yeah, yeah. so i could hear someone like <laughs> all the time when i tried to do the right moves which is not so off-putting that, at all obviously <laughs> it's that's the first time where you like when you're in the in uh, a backup singer but you almost want to like can we take this from the beginning <laughs> but you don't you know you just do but it was scary that was scary. And one time with Carola in um, Athens, uh, I got stuck with my heel. It's funny. I'm like working so hard to just get my foot up. So I'm almost like uh, losing my shoe there. I got stuck. But I, I, you can't see it really well, but you can, if you look at me, you can see, oh, there, that's the moment she got stuck. I think you can see that. <laughs> But, be, but if you were watching on the night, you wouldn't know because you were such a professional, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, in the finals, it was all good. But it was scary because you think you got, it's going to happen again. You know? my, uh, my co-host wouldn't forgive me if I uh, forgot to ask you a question that we ask 
everybody uh, who we speak to on the Euro trip. And this is another really difficult question. Everyone asks what your favorite Eurovision song is. We're going to ask what your second favorite Eurovision song is. Okay, then uh, let's say Euphoria. I wasn't a part of it, but, but I love it. And she was great. Eurovision. We've got it covered. Dean Orberg there, being the only person who has ever said that Euphoria, I think, was their second favourite Eurovision song. But that, James, is why we ask those sorts of questions on this podcast. Nobody else is asking what somebody's second favourite Eurovision song is. It's interesting, isn't it? When we first came up with the idea of asking that question to, to our guests, I was wondering how long it would take for somebody to say Euphoria. Because if you asked somebody what the favourite is... 99% 99% of people are just going to say euphoria, mainly out of panic because they can't think of anything else. But we've we've hit episode six and we finally had euphoria mentioned on the podcast. Well, if you're Swedish, to be fair, like Deer is, you've got a lot of entries that you can choose from that could have been up there as their second favourite song. So thank you, Deer, also for joining us on the podcast. It was very quaint. Uh, you will see on social media some videos of, uh, of Deer Norberg that we've put together. She was just sitting in her grandma's kitchen for that interview, which was all just very quaint and very lovely. Uh, something that won't be lovely is what's about to come next as I approach with trepidation the one second song the traditional way to end the podcast and the traditional way which normally sees both me and James get zero points but Anthony is confident of the one second song this week which has me a little bit worried you should always be worried about this Uh, episode six your third opportunity now to try and get it right Uh, your first two haven't gone well my first three haven't gone well either so Maybe this is going to be the opportunity where one of us, we say this every week, maybe this is the opportunity where one of us finally gets it right. So the listeners, of course, have already heard it earlier on in the show, but here's a little bit of a refresher. And for you, Rob, for the first time, here is this week's One Second Song. Now, that is a song that I forget what it is. Oh, this has been, this is like an open goal that I am going to shoot the ball over the crossbar. That's what's happened. I have rounded the goalkeeper only to put the ball wide is exactly what has happened here. Uh, Let's have it one more time, mainly for my own sanity to see whether I can actually get it. James, it's going to have to be, once again, another guess. I wouldn't say it's going to be another guest. I loved your football analogy. I never thought we'd have a football analogy here on the podcast, but I loved it. And I really thought that meant you would have had a little bit more thinking time and you would have actually got it right. Do you know anything about this? There's four points available. The song title, the artist, the country and the year. Any ideas on any of them? The problem is here that you've picked a song that I seem to remember distinctly really disliking and therefore have not kind of retained much memory about it, not much information about it. So it is going to be a guess. I know it's relatively recent, so I've got a few years to choose from. I'm not going to be able to go for the four. I'm going to try and go for two. So I'm going to try and go for the country. I'm going to try and go for the year. I'm going to say Latvia 2018. You, as a listener, may know whether or not Rob is right or not. He said he was a little bit confident about what it was, but in the end said it was going to have to be a guess. And surprise, surprise, zero points, Rob. It's going to change. One of these weeks, that will change. 
one of these weeks it will indeed change. Now, I'm afraid the you were close. The L was right. It wasn't Latvia. It was indeed Lithuania. It wasn't 2018, but you couldn't have been close. It was 2017. If you need any more, Rob, it was Fused Mark with Reign of Revolution. So what's happened there, James, with the football analogy? Not only have I rounded the goalkeeper, I haven't shot wide. I've hit the post and it's gone wide. That's what's happened there. Well, yes, you did hit the post. You did shoot wide of the target. But somebody who didn't shoot wide was Anthony Granger from just earlier on in the news in 90. Anthony got it right. Not only did he get it right, but he got the full four points. Four points. We could dream of four points. We could dream of four points. And let me just mention this as well, because we were chatting about it off air, me, me and Anthony. And he said, whenever he sees that song or hears that song, he is often reminded um, by the the main artist of Fuse Mark of a character from, from the Moomins. Now, Rob, I don't know if you've ever seen the Moomins, but I've just sent you a picture there. And if you just want to have a, have a look, does this um, does the, the main singer in Fuse Mark remind you of uh, Little Mai from the Moomins? I have never seen anything quite like that. Yes. Just like Little Mai from the Moomins. Let's just, for one final time on this episode, just say, Rob, you got it all wrong. I got it all wrong, and that means that the leaderboard is Robin James nil. Everyone else, six at this point. So we've got a lot of catching up to do. But it won't be up to me to catch up next week, because it's you guessing the one-second song, and I'm not even here. Yeah, as we chatted about earlier on, Rob is doing a lot of business on the side. He's getting rid of his IKEA mirrors, his big bootcases, and he will not be here next week. Don't worry, the podcast will return, of course. I will be here with a guest host. We'll find out who that is next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and rate us five star. I will see you next week. I will not see you next week. James has also left it very ambiguous as to what I'm up to. Uh, I should say that the furniture is disappearing because I'm moving house. So that does mean that on the po- next podcast that I appear on, I'll be speaking to you from a, from a new place. But you don't care about that. You're only here for the European nonsense anyway. Uh, thank you very much for listening. James will return next week. I will return in a couple of weeks. And the big interview next week comes from the Med. That's all we'll say. That's, that's enough, isn't it, I would say? That's enough. That's enough of a tease for next week. So we'll see you then. We will. I won't. But anyway, goodbye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.